I'm actually starting our summer series today, and it is going to go till the end of August. Uh, this is a series of stories out of God's Word that apply to our life. How many of you realize nothing is in God's Word on accident? Right? Everything was written. The Scripture says all of these things are written for us to learn from and grow. And that I, what I love about God's stories in the Bible is that it doesn't present anybody as perfect. I mean, even King David, who the Bible says was a man after God's own heart, committed adultery and murder, right? And you're like, oh man, well, I'm not that bad, so I guess I must, there must be room for me, right? Uh, unless you've done worse than that, but no, there's always, God always has room. So today I'm going to be getting into uh, a story, but I want to first start out, and how many of you realize that uh, things get broken in life eventually, right? Nothing lasts forever, Right on this, it's just how it is. It's a fact. They either get worn out or broken down. And uh, I've got just a couple of examples here. Like this is a I found out from our first service. I didn't know, or who knows what this year and model car is. See, look at all. Everybody knows a '57 ship. What? How come you always hear about '57? Was like the '56 not very good or the '58? How many of you always hear 50, 57 Chevy? That must have been. So this is nice car, but how many of you know eventually cars end up in this condition right here? Somebody told me that was a Ford that is found on the road dead, right? So uh, I don't know. Eventually, all of our cars are going to end up in the heat pile, right? And no matter how well you take care of it, uh, you can keep, you know, things will eventually rust out. Same thing is true with homes. I love a new home. Isn't the, the smell of it? Uh, we looked at this house yesterday, and uh, oh my gosh, the carpet was literally from the 70s. It was like <laughs> the green shag going on. It was like, do you mow it or do you vacuum it, right? <laughs> And it was, it was ugly. Uh, that's all I got to say. So uh, new home has a good smell, right? Uh, but even if you don't take care of it, eventually what happens? You know, I found this thing. I thought, man, I bet that was a really nice house one day, one, back in the day. Same thing. How many of you guys like getting a new pair of clothes? All right, isn't that nice? You get something nice and new, and you're wearing it. You wash it a few times, a few more times, and then uh, eventually, where do they end up? Donate or throw it away, either that or I was reminded sometimes you outgrow them. <laughs> right, not lengthwise, but anyway, let's move on. This is something, computers, and I'm assuming this is a gaming computer, right? Am I right, you little gamers, right? So, uh, that, uh, how many of you know, you can get the best computer ever, but you realize eventually that is going to get out of date. And if you can't read this, this is Microsoft Windows 3.1. Does anybody remember that? We had to look it up. To, we looked it up. That came out in 1992. And it was like, I remember that. We had that. And it was like, man, this thing is so cool. You know, look, I can get on the internet when I push this button. You know, you know the dial-up sound. And uh, we thought that was cool. And then all of a sudden, Windows 95 came out, and it was even better. But the, the point is, everything either becomes old, obsolete, broken, worn out. Uh, another thing that seems to break so often is relationships. How many of you know specifically family relationships? And I know that many of you here today uh, have brokenness that's in your family. 
there's some brokenness that is there, some relationships that have been broken for so long that it literally seems there's no way that they could ever be restored. Like it's gone too far, and yet we kind of push through. We're like, oh, no, it's fine. We're just going to do it. But the reality is it hurts, doesn't it? Broken relationships hurt, and they have long-term consequences on everybody that is involved in that. And let me just say, the more that I hang around people, the more brokenness I see in this world, right? How many of you have found that? You meet another another family, everything's fine, and, and, and then you just see the brokenness that is there. And listen, I know maybe not everybody struggles with this, but I want to tell you, there are more people than you realize are struggling with it. Because we're really good at putting on the face, right? Like everything's good, everything's good, but the reality, it's not. And you just kind of learn to deal with it. I mean, maybe you have a, a brother that you haven't talked to in 15 years. Oh, I'm not going to call him. Oh, I'm not going to. Maybe you have a sister that hasn't talked and, par- and your parents don't talk. There was something there. They never see each other. Uh, maybe one of your parents and you have an issue, right? I'm not talking. Or maybe it's vice versa. Maybe uh, it's you and one of your kids. Oh, man, you know what? I don't talk to them anymore. Possibly your children have issues with each other. Does that ever happen? Like, like I know whenever our kids were young, sometimes there were fights. But you know what? Hopefully you grow up, but not everyone does. These feuds sometimes hang out. Maybe you're still married to somebody, but you're not really in a relationship. It's more like roommates. How many of you know that happens a whole lot more than we want to admit? And we don't want to admit it, but it does hurt. Unresolved conflict, can I just say, even in a church setting hurts, doesn't it? Like when you have friends that you've come to find and love in church, but that hurts whenever that happens, but it's even more painful in your family, am I right? It just is. For some of you, you don't even know how it started. It's been so long ago, I don't even know who started it. Uh, Sometimes when time passes that we always like put the blame, oh, it's all there. It's all their fault. They're the ones that did it. And listen, I know it's painful, I know it's sad, it's destructive, and you kind of get to the point in life, I just don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm just going to try to forget about it, but the reality is you never do forget, do you? You never do forget. I want to give you an encouragement today because I believe it's time to make things right. I believe God has empowered you and I, with the ability to make things right. God is a God of reconciliation, and the Scripture says that He has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That means bringing things that were broken back together again. It's not a magic trick. There is a process of doing it. So like I said, I mean, this summer we're going to be going through these series, and I'm going to kick this off today with a classic story of a broken family uh, that has restored and that God has re- restored and made whole again. I hope that you'll get some hope out of it for your own family. It's a story about Isaac's two sons, Jacob and Esau. Like we know about Jacob, if you know, if you've been in the Bible at all, you know that they had a bitter feud. They were not happy with each other. They were twin b- brothers who hadn't seen or talked to each other in over twenty years. You're thinking, 20 years, well, that, that relationship is over. That's broken. And, and here's the thing. The fight between them started with deception. Jacob deceived his brother Esau and his father in order to get the birthright. Right? He kind of manipulated him prior to that, like, hey, sell me your birthright and I'll give you a cup of soup. And he's thinking, yeah, yeah, whatever. I ate the soup. So it was deception and trickery 
that, that happened, and Esau was a little mad, to say the least, right? And, and so much to the point that he said he is going to kill his brother, and, uh, that, and not just, how many of you know, sometimes, like, siblings, did you ever say, man, I'm going to kill you, but you didn't really mean kill, kill, you meant, like, I'm going to make your life miserable? How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like, you're going to regret the day you were born kind of thing. Well, let me just say, when Esau said he was going to kill his brother, he meant, I'm going to get you to the point where you're no longer breathing on this side of heaven. That, he really meant it. And his mother, Rebecca, found, about, found out about it, told Jacob about it, and Jacob, like, beat feet and got out of there, right? He's like, I am out of here. So uh, uh, for Esau, like I said, it wasn't just a threat. He really meant it. How many of you know, and the other one like flees thousands of miles away, that's about as broke as you can get, all right? It's like, that was a big feud that looks like there's no, there's no solution for that. And so the question I want to ask, did Esau have a right to be mad? Do you think? He stole his birthright, right? He tricked him. Of course he had a right to be mad. Did Jacob need to run in that situation? Yes, he did, right? There's no appeasing at that point right there. It's like, you better get out of there. They both had a legitimate reason to fight, and I think both brothers thought they were right because I want you to understand there was a word spoken to Rebecca that her younger brother would, would uh, rule over the older brother, and so she manipulated things to try to make God's plan work. That's exactly what happened. How many of you know if God speaks something over, you don't have to manipulate anything? And so they went about it in the wrong way in order for God's will. It's like, I'm just helping you out, God. How many of you know God doesn't need our help to cause his will to happen? We, if we need obedience, we got to be obedient to the things, but we don't have to manipulate anything. So both of them had a right to be, uh, think that they were right, uh, and then they got other people involved. How many of you know when you are in a fight and you start getting other people involved, that's when it really gets ugly? All right, you start bringing them in, and you know you're you're mad at this person, and you tell this other person, and they're now they're mad at this person, and things just get blown up. So uh, here's the thing: when your family is broke, most of the time we don't want to talk about it, but like I said, it hurts. So this story uh, is about reunion and reconciliation. And as I begin to share these ten points with you, I feel like you're going to find a way that your family feud can end. And let me just say, it's not just related to family. How many of you, well, don't raise your hands, but some of you have friends that you once had, and because something happened, there's a gap there. God can use these points that we're going to talk about to reconcile any relationship, amen? We're going to just jump right into it out of Genesis chapter 32. It says, Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom, He instructed them, this is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there until now. I have cattle and donkey, sheep and goats, men servants, maid servants. Now I am sending this messenger to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. So here's the thing. Here's the backstory. He's been living with his uncle Laban for 20 years. Now God is saying, listen, it's time to go back to your land. It's time that you head back to your homeland. I want you to get up, take everything. But in Jacob's head, he's like, wait a minute. I left that land because my brother wanted to kill me. So now I'm going to go. You're telling me to go back, God? 
he's realizing, I better make that relationship right. right? Sometimes you may be forced into making a relationship right. That's basically what he said. So what did, what did Jacob have to do? He had to initiate contact. That's number one in your note. Somebody's got to go first, am I right? If you're going to have a reconciliation, you can't both be waiting for the other person to move. Right? Well, you do it. No, you do it. No, you do it, right? Somehow, we always think it's got to be the other person has to make the first move. Right? I don't care. If it's the person who is offended, thinks, well, he offended me or she offended me, so I'm waiting for them to come and apologize to me, while that person over is like, well, I know that their feelings are hurt, so when they're ready, they'll come to me. How many of you know, <laughs> we're, we're both waiting on the other. But here's the thing. In this case... It was the one that caused the offense, who stole his brother's inheritance. He went first. And understand, your brokenness will never be resolved unless somebody takes that first step. Right? It's never going to be resolved. And if you know that, how many of you know? We know that. I mean, that's like a no-brainer. We know that. So if that's the case, then guess what? You need to take that first step. You need to do it. And you're like, well, I'm not the one that was, I was the one that was wrong. Do it anyway. Amen? Initiate contact. I don't care. Send a Christmas card. Send a birthday card. Send them a text, right? A gift. How many of you know everybody likes a little coffee card, or most people do? It wouldn't work with my wife, but uh, for some people, it's like, do something like that. Do something to make that initial contact. So after you've done that, the next thing, it says, when the messengers returned from Jacob, so he sent them ahead, and now they're coming back. They said, we went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you with 400 men are with him. Yeah, I heard someone say it, uh-oh, <laughs> right? How many of you know you're initiating contact, now he's coming with 400 men? That doesn't sound great, does it? That's a little nerve-wracking there. And even it says, in great fear and distress... It's like, that's not the report I wanted to hear. It says, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. So he's thinking, man, now he's coming to fulfill that promise he made 20 years ago. He's going to kill me. He, he, I, I'm done for. So what I want to, the second point in this is that sometimes, understand, first contact don't always go well. The first contact, it's not, it, how many of you know, sometimes when you make contact where there's been an offense, it may go horribly wrong, all right? It's like, man, this is not what I envisioned in my head, or maybe it's exactly what you envisioned in your head. I knew it. I knew they were going to blow up. I knew they were going to kill me, right? All of those things. But here's the thing, when there's been a separation for an amount of time, there's always, both sides have nervousness and suspicion. What are they up to? Why are they doing that? So there's a lot of uh, unanswered things. So number two, you have to expect tension. When you're looking to restore that, you don't know how the other person's going to react. It's going to be weird. It's going to be weird for both sides. Understand that. And if you don't expect it, guess what? You're going to overreact. Because they're not acting like you're, they're supposed to. You know what? You're supposed to hug me and say, I forgive you, and, and we're going to hug and I'll walk away. Well, people don't always do that. Expect tension. I mean, if you think about it, 
You're, you have been working through, God's been working in your life, and you're like, okay, God, I'm going to initiate contact. In my mind, I have crossed that barrier. I'm going to make those steps. I'm ready to uh, reconnect. But guess what? That other person hasn't worked that out yet. That other person is like, wait a minute, this is the first time hearing about that. And, uh, and so there is a process that has to happen. Jacob had crossed that barrier, and he was wondering, what's he going to do to me now? He's sending 400 guys. Is he going to kill me? Is he going to take all of my cattle, sheep, all of that stuff? So naturally, this next step happens, verse 9. Then Jacob prayed. Duh. You could probably put that in the first step and all through all the rest of it. He says, Oh God, my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives and I will make you prosper. So Jacob's telling God, you're the one telling me to go back. I'm just obeying you. And now he's got 400 people coming. So he goes, you're the one that told me, I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. For I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. So he's just crying out to God in honesty. God, help me. I need your help. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. And so we begin to pray over reconnection. And what do we need to pray about? First of all, maybe you need to pray, God, help me to keep a right attitude. Because sometimes when people don't respond the way you think they should or how you hope they would, it might cause you to get rise up a little bit. So uh, pray that God will give you the right attitude. Pray that God will help the other person have the right attitude. You may pray, God, help them from the hitting me. I don't want to be hit. Just ask for God's peace. Ask God to go before you. Isn't that what he said he would do? I'll go before you. Ask for, that's number three, is ask for God's help. Lord, I need you. We were, we were singing that song this morning. If you're in that process, oh God, oh God, I need you. Lord, how I need you now. So ask God for help. Verse 13, uh, Jacob spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys, 10 male donkeys. He put them in care of his servant, each herd by itself. And he said to his servants, this is what you're to do. Go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. And he says, and he instructed the one in the lead, when my brother Esau meets you and asks, to whom do you belong and where are you going? And who owns all these animals in front of you? You're to say this, they belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my Lord Esau and he is coming behind him. He also instructed the second and third and all those that followed. So he's just like over, he's piling gifts on gifts to his brother. Like here, here's this, here's that, here's that. And he goes, you are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say your servant Jacob is coming behind us. So uh, he wasn't saying, hey, listen, make sure that my brother knows he needs to apologize to me for wanting to kill me. All right? He wasn't rehashing the, the, the situation that brought uh, division. What happens, and when you're trying to reconcile, there may be some things that you have to do to bring reconciliation. You may have to offer some kind of amend, something. I don't know what it is. It's going to be different in every situation. 
But if you want to resolve brokenness, whether you're the one that is offended or did the offending, you have to do whatever it takes to make it right. you got to do whatever it takes. Like, I don't know what it's going to take. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, if you don't want to do what it takes, then you're not going to get reconciliation. We got committed to it. Listen, he gave up a lot of animals. That was like money back then. He gave up a whole lot in order to get that relationship right. I want to tell you, all the money in your bank account is not worth more than a healed relationship. You may not realize it, but it really is. So uh, let me read the rest of verse 20. He said, be sure to say, your servant Jacob is coming behind us, for he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. Later when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. He's like doing everything he can. He's initiating contact. Uh, I don't know if he planned for the tension, but it was there. He prayed to God. He's doing whatever he can to make things right. Now all that is left is to hope for the best. It's like, God, this is in your hands now. I'm doing what I can. And, uh, And when I say hope for the best, can I tell you there is a difference between worldly hope and godly hope. The world is like, oh no, I sure hope this works, God. I don't know. It's probably not going to work anyway, but I'm, I'm hoping. All right? Hope in God is like, God, you are the God of reconciliation. I'm going, I'm doing the will of God. God wants healing in relationships. How many of you realize that? Where you have a strain in a relationship, God wants to see wholeness there. That's his desire. When you make the steps to do the right thing, don't be pessimistic about, oh, this probably isn't going to work. They're probably going to, I know how they always act. This is what they're always going to do. Stop thinking that way. Be a little bit more optimistic. Uh, Believe for a restored relationship. Amen? Believe for healing. Believe for forgiveness. Hope for the best. Amen? So uh, next, so Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the cap. The night Jacob got up, took his two wives, his two maidservants, his 11 sons, and crossed the fords of the Jabbok. After that, he sent them to cross the stream. He sent over all of his possessions. So look what it says, verse 24. So Jacob was left all alone. After all of that, he was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. I mean, that doesn't sound fun, does it? Sound a little bit painful, didn't it? But look what it says. The man says, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and you have overcome. And it says, Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face and my life was spared. So this is an odd part of the story. There, uh, there's reconciliation. Jacob has taken the steps to reconcile with his brother. And all of a sudden, in the midst of that, God shows up. Right In the midst of that, like, what is going on here? Why is that there? Because during this wrestling match that he had with either an angel of God or maybe that was a, a Jesus, there's all kinds of speculation, but he had this moment with God, and what happens is his name was changed at that point. 
What was his name? Jacob, and I think I have this in your notes. It's called supplanter, which means one who wrongfully or illegally seizes and holds the place of another. How many of you realize Jacob was holding a blessing that he, did, he obtained wrongfully? Right? God was going to bless him regardless, but he manipulated in order to get it. And so his whole nature, look at it when he was with his uncle Abram. God still blessed him in spite of that, but he was a supplanter. He was taking things not in the right way. He was making it his own self. He was putting, like when God speaks a word over you, how many of you know you don't have to make it come to pass? You just have to walk in obedience. Right? So he was, that was his nature. That was his old nature. And, and the angel said, You're no longer Jacob. Now you're Israel, which means striving with God. Now you are striving for something that you're not anymore. You're no longer, he's telling him, You are no longer this supplanter. You're no longer taking positions that wrongfully. Now you have strived with God and strived with man. And now you are someone different. How many of you know when you accept Christ, we all have an old sinful nature, am I right? All of us, you know, whether, you know, a liar, cheater, whatever, whatever our old nature was, there has to come a time in our life where we might wrestle against God and all of a sudden that old nature is gone and God begins to give you a new nature. Amen? But there's got to be a wrestling that takes place. It's not just as simple. And listen, getting saved is easy, am I right? Like, oh God, forgive me. I accept Jesus as my Savior. Come into my life. Lord, I want to follow you. So getting saved is easy, but allowing your nature to begin to be changed by God is going to take a little bit of wrestling. It's not going to be done in one prayer, you know, and all of a sudden I'm... He wrestled with them all night long. And he would not let go until that change. He didn't even know what was happening. It's like, why is this guy wrestling me? Hang on, and uh, uh, I want to tell you, you may have an old nature that you've been wrestling against. I want to tell you, don't give up. Don't let it go. I, I wonder what would have happened had Jacob been like, you know what, I've been doing this for two hours, I'm done. He would have still had that old nature. And so I want to challenge you, keep wrestling until the change happens. That means you're going to have to fight against that old nature. You're going to have to fight against the things that you used to want to do and to begin to allow God to do the right things in you, begin to make those choices. So uh, that happened in the midst of it. And I believe that uh, even though it's kind of weird that it popped up there, I believe there's a principle that when you get things right with people, the result is God moments happening in your life. Amen. God begins to show up in ways that you didn't expect him. So uh, God's blessings, I believe, follow restored relationships. That when you begin to make that step, and I know we often think, well, you know what, when I get my life with, right with God, then I'll, uh, I'll fix all these relationships. And maybe that will happen some, but I want to encourage you, you begin to get relationships right and watch what God's going to do in your life. Don't wait for some moment like, you know what, after I wrestle with God. No, you begin to make the steps now and you see what God's going to do with your life, amen? And I know we think it. Listen, we always talk about, church is talking about loving God, loving our neighbor. How many of you have heard that? Where's that found? Jesus said what? Here it is right here. Uh, out of the, he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? You know, they asked one commandment, Jesus gave them two. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Look what he says. The second is equally important. Does that mean this one's more important than this one? 
No, they're both important. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophet are based on those two commandments there. So uh, here's the thing. Loving God and loving your neighbor is so intertwined that there's really no separation. I've heard people say, you know what? I've been burnt by people too many times. I'm not going to worry about people anymore. I'm just going to love God and forget other people. Anybody ever hear that? Right? And it's like, how many of you know it doesn't work that way? You can't do that. You've got to begin to love God, and if you don't, and, and love your neighbor, if you just ignore other people, then your relationship with God is going to be very shallow. It's going to stay very shallow because God wants to work that out. The second is equally important. Here's the, here's the reality. A broken relationship with people, it will affect your relationship with God. It will. I'm just telling, I know this out of personal, like, like you probably know it too. Like when there's a broken relationship, let me tell you, that affects my quiet time with God. Right? It's, I have trouble praying. Anybody else with me? When that's going on, I have trouble concentrating on Scripture. And, and, and not only that, I have trouble hearing from God other than hearing God say, you need to make that right. I don't hear anything else. It's like, oh God, just speak to me. Lord, show me what, go back and make that relationship right. No, 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 not that, God, not that. Lord, I, I need to know what this area right here, and God's just like, no, you need to get back and you need to fix this. All right, you need to fix this. So uh, it's going to affect your relationship with God. It is literally going to stunt your growth, right? It, lit it literally will. So uh, when you start making things right with people, I believe that God's presence is going to show up. It's going to surprise you in ways that you never thought. So number six, expect God. When you begin to make the steps that are necessary, uh, expect God to begin to do things in your life. And I know, we pray, oh God, here's my prayer, God, change that person. Make them, make them love you, make them do this. And what happens really when you're in this process is that God is changing you. God is changing us. God changes us to where uh, uh, whole situations eventually change. Our perspective change. And uh, restoration actually becomes possible. And I know uh, some of you are thinking, listen, I don't need to change pastor. They do. That may be ca the case, but how many of you know you can't change anybody, but you can change yourself? All right? You can allow God to do that. Uh, you see, I believe in Jacob's life, God was perfecting him to get him to the place of what was necessary for that relationship. Had he never wrestled with God at that point, I think that he would have gone back as a supplanter again. He would have been manipulating things again. He wouldn't have got the blessings of God. So when that happens, say, God, I need you to change me. Quit worrying about the other person because we're only responsible for us. All right, look what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 23. If you're offering your gift at the altar and there, remember your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come offer your gift. Like he's saying, this is so important that if you're up there worshiping God, it's okay to leave church and go make that relationship right. So if you get up here in the next couple of... No, I'm just kidding. So uh, I'm just kidding. It's that important. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 14, If you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Listen, that's an important issue. There's a lot riding on it. I believe it's time for us to forgive. The, the, it's time to repair the brokenness that is there. 
it's, awesome. it's time just to let things go, right? I'm not going to quote Elsa on that, but there are times that we got to do that. Here's the reality. When people find restoration in a human relationship, I believe this. I really do. That it results in a spiritual growth. You're going to grow spiritually, and guess what? You're going to find inner peace. You're going to find a peace that wasn't there. And it's like, wow, Lord, thank you for that. So for some of you here today, you might be making that connection. The reason your spiritual growth has been stalled is because there's a relationship that God's been telling you. You need to make that right. You need to begin to make those steps and make that right. And it's like, oh, but God, I just want to grow in you. And God's saying, listen, I want you to grow, but you got to go do this. This is your first step. Well, let me just read more of your word. Let me just spend more time in prayer. You can do that, but until you go back and begin to make amends there and to do what you can do, then, uh, then I believe that we're gonna, we limit ourselves. Amen? So let's move on. Uh, chapter 33, verses 1 through 3, says, Jacob looked up, and there was Esau. You think there was a big swallow of gulp of air there? <laughs> it's like, oh, man. Now all of those steps, now what's going to happen? And he's coming with his 400 men. So he divided his children among Leah, Rachel, the two maidservants. He put the maidservants and the children in front. That tells you how much he cared about them. You're the buffer, right? You're the ones that's going in front. And then you see where he puts his wives. Leah, the one that he didn't think was as beautiful, was next. And Rachel, the one he loved, and Joseph were in the rear. He's, he, he wasn't perfect, was he? So anyway, <laughs> he himself went on ahead, bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. Wow, what a picture was that? The one that he stole the birthright, now he's bowing down in front of them. And, and let me just say this, this kind of reconciliation was not a, a private thing. It wasn't like, hey, listen, can we meet for coffee? We'll just work it out. This was a very public thing taking place. They didn't rehash the story. He didn't say, hey, listen, a lot of times we like to make excuses. Well, the only reason I did this is because you said this and then you did that. Or, you know, my mother made me do it. Re Rebecca came and said, you got to do that. He didn't do any of that. He just humbly bowed before his brother and... Uh, that's something that you and I have to do. We don't have to go bow. Nobody, I'm not telling you to go bow to somebody because that's, that's not our culture. Uh, but modern-day equivalent would be simply giving them a call. Give them a text message. Say, hey, listen, I'm sorry. Things have been broken. I'm, I can, how can we make this right? I love you. I miss you. Uh, it doesn't matter who did what in this. I'm sorry for my part in it, and I just want things to be right. Right? I'm not giving you word by word because you're going to have to figure that out. And, and I know, I mean, you're thinking about that person, whoever it is, and you're like, Pastor Scott, that would be so hard. How many of you know reconciliation is not easy? When Jesus reconciled us to him, how many of you know there was a cross in the middle of it? It wasn't easy. Jesus did it. And I want to tell you, whatever it is, uh, reconciliation, let me just put it this way, it's not for wimps. You're going to have to man up or woman up or whatever it is. Listen, if it were easy, we would have done it a long time ago. But it wasn't my fault, Pastor Scott. It doesn't matter whose fault it was. I believe your humility will mean even more if you were the one that was offended. Right? If you come back to them to make amends. Amen? So when you're trying to uh, build that relationship, we've got to walk in humility. That means that I may need to apologize. 
I know that may be hard. You say, you know what? I was only 1% wrong in this situation, and they were 99%. Can I just say this? Own your 1%. Apologize for your 1%. I I believe this. Proud people don't apologize. They make excuses. They blame other people. Humble people say, I'm sorry. So let's look at Esau's response. Verse 4. Esau ran to meet Jacob. He embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him, and they wept. That had to be a powerful moment, huh? How many of you would like to see that on replay when we get to heaven, right? You know, Jacob's back there nervous. Oh, no, he's got his 400 men. I'm dividing. I'm sending all these people. And Esau came and embraced him. And I like how they wept. How many of you know it probably wasn't just a little tear coming down his face, right? There were probably big tears. 20 years had passed, and now all of a sudden they've got this relationship restored, That's a powerful moment. What a beautiful picture. Esau didn't say anything. He didn't have to, right? His uh, his embrace said it all. So that's number eight, is that we've got to forgive. We've got to forgive. And, And like I said, you may not have been the one that did the wrong thing, but still, we've got to forgive. It's time. The reality is that our lack of forgiveness, it does not hurt other people more than it hurts us. Sometimes we have this idea, and I believe it's a lie from the devil, that if I'm going to punish them by not forgiving them, right? I'll show them. I'm going to hold on to my grudge. I'm going to hold on to my anger, and that's going to hurt them. How many of you realize that hurts you the most? It hurts you the most. So make the decision. Forgive. Begin to let it go. And you're like, but pastor, I don't feel like it. Uh, It doesn't matter if you feel like it or not, because forgiveness is not a feeling. What is it? It's a decision. we got to make the decision. To, it's a choice. Like, I'm going to choose to follow God. I, I still can't stand that person. I'm still mad at that person. But, Lord, I want to walk in obedience. So, Lord, help my heart to get right. Help me to choose to do the right thing, whether I feel like it or not. Feelings sometimes follow obedience. Don't be led by your feelings. Be led by obedience. Amen? Uh, don't, if you wait until you feel like forgiving, how many of you know you're never going to do it? You're just not. It's not going to happen. Don't try to punish people. Begin to walk in humility and forgive. Nothing uglier than a person with a grudge. You know what I have found to be true is that once you have one relationship fracture and you never deal with it, it makes it easier the next time for the next relationship to fall apart. And the next thing you know, not only do you have one grudge, now you've got two grudges. You know, and then the next relationship, well, you know what? I didn't forgive that one because what's happening in your heart is you're becoming more and more bitter, more and more skeptical because you're not dealing with the past issues. Next thing you know, you got a whole yard full of uh, 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 grudges like, I was going to say like the cat man, but I'm not, (laughs) or the cat lady, right? I got all these grudges in my yard. Anyway, let me move on. So that's a bad analogy. Just to uh, get rid of that last minute there, right there, so... (laughs) let's move on in the scripture here then Esau I should never give analogies that just popped into my head because it doesn't always make it's never good anyway then Esau looked up saw after he's hugging his brother saw the women and children who are these with you he asked Jacob answered they are the children God has graciously given your servant then the maidservants, their children approach and bow down. Next, Leah and her children came and bowed down. Last of all, Joseph and uh, Rachel came and bowed down. Listen, it was like a big family reunion. 
Like, hey, Uncle, a- or Uncle Esau, we're, we've never met. I've heard about you. I heard you were kind of mean, but hey, listen. Right? <laughs> okay, they didn't say that. But it was a family reunion. So listen, when you resolve a conflict, we need to include everybody in it. Because we are very good at including everybody in our fences. Am I right? Oh, man, they did this to me. They did that to me. And I don't know if you know this because you probably, you probably experienced it. If somebody shares their, that you care about shares their offense with you, uh, guess what happens? All of a sudden, you begin to pick up their offense. Now you're offended at the same person. They didn't do anything to you, but because your friend's offended, now you're walking around a fence. And, you, you know, I've seen this in churches. I've seen this in families. Next thing you know, there's 20 people that are offended because of only one person that was really offended. And so we include people in the offense, but we don't always include them whenever reconciliation takes place. So, like, okay, we worked it out, now we're good, but you don't share it with everybody else, and so they're still walking around offended. And you're like, I don't know what you're upset about, we're good now. So you got to include everybody in that, amen? Don't let other people pick up your offense. Don't, you know, don't be the gossip, don't like, I'm just sharing this because I just want you to pray about it. Come on, let's be honest here. I'm just sharing, you know that Pastor Scott, you know what he did. Let's just pray for him, right? No. Don't involve other people in your fence, but involve everybody in your reconciliation. Amen? All right, let's look at verse 8. Almost there. Jesus said, What do you mean by all these droves I met? To find favor in your eyes, my Lord, he said. But Esau said, I already have plenty, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And he says, no, please. If I have found favor in your eyes, accept this gift from me, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God. Now that you have received me favorably, please accept the present that was brought to you, for God has been gracious to me, and I have all I need. And because Jacob insisted, Esau accepted it. So when you resolve a conflict, how many of you know, that's time for a party, right? It's time to celebrate restoration. It's such a powerful thing. And sometimes we just kind of keep it to ourselves. Okay, well, we're better now. We're good, right? Let's fist bump and let's move on. No, we need to celebrate. Listen, I believe that it is God's will for you and I that conflict be resolved. How do I know that? I mean, it's, God's Word's pretty easy to uh, uh, clear about that. But yes, it's not easy. I believe that it's necessary. I, I believe that it's worth it, even though it's difficult. And for some of you, uh, the reason, like I said, you can't seem to press further in your relationship with God is because you've got something you need to deal with. Yeah. You've got something that you need to deal with. And listen, I know it's scary. I know there may be fear. What if the other person doesn't accept it? I mean, you ever have that play in your head? Well, I'll go and apologize, but it blew up in my face. They didn't accept it. They didn't didn't embrace me like Esau did. What if none of that works out? Well, listen, we are still responsible for taking that first step. We're not responsible for the other. I want to tell you, don't let bitterness and a grudge rest in your spirit. When you begin to make the right steps, regardless of what happens to the other person, you are positioning your heart towards God and aligning yourself, just like King David, a man after God's own heart. God's desire is that all men would be saved. Am I right? He has positioned himself uh, to love all people, but not everybody is going to accept him. So there may be situations in your life where people don't, they, you've done all the steps, you've done them right, and they still reject you. But look what the scripture says. 
if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. And so it's my responsibility to, to position myself to love and to forgive and to make reconciliation. And when you've done that, even if the other person rejects that, keep praying for them. Don't take it personally because they are a work in progress just like you and I are. And who knows, maybe a month later, maybe six months later, maybe ten years later, they're going to get to the point and because you've left the door open and you've made those steps, they're going to be able to come back to you. Amen? So I believe that this is, this is God. This, God wants this in our life. And I know, oh, I just want just me and God. Listen, those other people in your life are just as important. Amen? And so I want to challenge you. Listen, nothing, nothing, the only thing that can happen right here is that you've got somebody in your mind. You're like, okay, I'm going to make that step. I'm going to make that step. Uh, can I have everybody stand? I just want to pray for you. Because I know that I'm talking about some real pain and hurt here. Probably way more than I've ever experienced in my own life. There's things that have been done to you, said to you, that uh, just the whole thought of this kind of recoils in your spirit. But I want to tell you that you begin to work through that between you and God. And there's a time that God's going to speak to your heart. Just like he spoke to Jacob, it's time to go back home. Took him 20 years, all of that process, but I believe that God is going to open that door. So uh, I just want to pray for you in this moment. Lord, I, I thank you that you are a God of reconciliation. Lord, you reconcile us to you, and then, Lord, you want to work out those relationships in our heart, in our lives, Lord God. So, Father, I, you know there's some painful family situations. There's some painful things that have happened. And Lord, you can heal hearts, Lord. Father, I pray healing in different people's hearts, Lord God, for, for whatever it is. And Lord God, I pray that you would rise up within them to begin to take those steps to bring reconciliation. Lord, that they would position our heart, that we would position our hearts, Lord God, to be a, 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 a channel of your love, oh God. And so, Father, we just lift up each one of those. And, you know, if there's somebody that you're thinking of, can you just raise your hand? I'm not going to have you tell who it is, but I just want to pray specifically. Hey, man, there's a lot of hands. It may be somebody in your family. Maybe, maybe fights going on between them, and you want to see reconciliation. Lord God, we just begin to declare that right now. Lord, I pray for each heart that is in this, Lord, those that have been offended and those that have been doing the offense, Lord. Father, I pray for healing. Lord, I pray for reconciliation. Lord God, I pray for breakthroughs. Lord, I think nothing shows your love more than that healed relationship. And so, Lord, give boldness, give faith, give hope, Lord God. As people in this room, those may be watching online, Lord God, begin to make the steps of reconciliation. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you as we just commit this time to you. Lord, we thank you that you are the God that, that reconciles all things to you. And so, Father, we just thank you. Listen, if you need prayer for any reason, uh, I know i got Delton over there and Robert. Can you guys come up? Uh, we're just going to take, uh, take a moment. If you need to come up for prayer, we want to do that. If you want to pray for an individual, if you've got other things going on, we want to take that moment to pray. So uh, 